Well, good morning, man. Great to be with you this day. Uh, let's, um, let's get our Bibles out. Uh, if you could turn with me to Romans chapter 6. Uh, that's Romans chapter 6. We're going to read two passages this morning uh, before we dive into our teaching time. And as you do so, I'm also going to pray. So let, let's just do that. Uh, Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity to gather, uh, to look to this um, concept of the mortification of sin, of putting sin to death, Lord. Um, Jesus, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts here present would be acceptable in your sight. Jesus, I pray that you would uh, lead us by your wisdom and by your Holy Spirit, that you give us right understanding into this topic, Lord. Um, ultimately, Jesus, that as we dive into this, uh, that it would bring more glory to you um, as we understand um, this theme of mortification in a deeper way. Uh, we lift this time up to you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, let's start with Romans 6, uh, verses 1 to 14. That'll be our first passage. We're going to read another passage as well from Romans 8, and then we'll dive in. So I'll read this for us now. Romans 6, verses 1 to 14. This is what the Word of God says. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. And flipping over uh, one page, let's look at Romans 8. going to read another chunk here. Romans 8, verses 1 to 17, just so we can get some context. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and first sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law may be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, 
but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. So I'll just keep the pages of scripture open as we look through uh, this topic. This is an intense topic this morning, the mortification of sin, or putting sin to death, um, as we understand it. And so this morning, we're going to look at some key themes as it pertains to this aspect of holiness. Again, this morning session being on putting sin to death. So I won't be doing an expository sermon through these texts that we read, uh, but we'll be speaking about the main themes as we draw out some main themes out of these texts in Romans. A few things for us to note right off the bat, friends, with this intense topic that we're looking at. As it pertains to the gospel, my friends, we were not saved by grace alone so that we could coast. We were saved by grace alone so that we could run. That like Paul, that we would run and finish this race, right? That we would press on in an active pursuit of Jesus Christ because Christ Jesus has made us his own. And so we press on. We press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, which Paul says in Philippians 3, that this pressing on, this pressing on in our Christian lives includes this growth in holiness. And with our topic this morning, it includes this growth in putting sin to death. This is an active pursuit, right? We must walk in newness of life, as we saw in Romans 6, verse 4. We also saw in Romans 6, verse 11, we must consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus, right? In Christ, our identity is, by nature, dead to sin, This is our identity being united to Christ. This is a reality for every believer in Christ. 
Even if you don't feel dead to sin, this is the truth about who you are because you're united to the Savior. So we have to have this consistent growth in the Christian life, of course. And our lives should be a picture of this truth that we are dead to sin. And though imperfect in our walks and sanctification, we will make progress by the Holy Spirit. And so we must not let sin reign in our mortal bodies. Paul says this in chapter 6, verse 12. We must also set our minds on the things of the Spirit, which he says in Romans 8, verse 5. And as we dive into this topic this morning, friends, let us note that our growth in holiness, this whole idea of growing in holiness as well as putting sin to death, this is actually a joyful thing, right? This growth in holiness is a joyful thing because by putting sin to death by the Spirit, we are being conformed to the image of the Son. This is a joyful thing that even in this battle, Right? Even in this battle, this temporal battle where we have to deal with the presence of sin in our lives. It's a joyful thing to know that God is working through this and that we will look more and more like Jesus as we grow in holiness. So our growth in holiness and our killing of sin, friends, what we have to know is this is not ultimately dependent on us alone. Right? But it is Christ's work. It is Christ's work in our lives by his Holy Spirit. And by his Holy Spirit, he will complete this work in us. And so also Christ calls us then to take action ourselves, right? The Christian life is not a passive life. It's an active life. But this is the fruit, this active pursuit and pressing on, this, this putting sin to death is the fruit of our right standing, our, our justification in Christ, right? It's, never, it's not the thing that gets us justified. Before we were in Christ, we could do nothing. We couldn't kill sin. But now, being transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of the Son, we now have a new capacity, right? We're running on a new heart in Christ, and so we must take action as well. Important for us to note it's always hard when speaking of this theme of obedience to Christ and killing sin. There, there seems to be a few different tendencies that I want to um, map out here. On the one hand, you have this concept of what's called antinomianism, which is basically it means we're saved by grace and now there's not going to be any obedience. We're saved by grace, so now we can live however we want. So that's on the one hand. And then on the other hand, you have this legalistic kind of thinking, which even if you don't say it with your, your mouth, it's, it's acting in a way that you think you can be saved by works. It's legalistic. Both of these are the wrong approaches. The true gospel, though, that we are saved by grace and now being united to Christ, who is the true vine, we will bear fruit, right? We will bear fruit in obedience, so we're saved by grace, and we have been appointed that we will walk now in, in good works and bear fruit. So things to get straight as we approach this topic. Let's pull some themes out of Romans 8, five, or verses 5 to 12. We hear Paul speaking about living according to the Spirit. 
living according to the Spirit. So being in Christ as believers, we now are living under his lordship, right? He is the authority in our, in our lives. The flesh no longer ultimately controls us, but the love of Christ controls us. We live according to the Spirit, right? We, we're, we're dead to sin. We're alive to God in Christ Jesus. This means that our life will be lived for God's glory, right? That we would live according to the Spirit means that we would also actively set our minds on the things of the Spirit. Important to note when we talk about this topic of killing sin. Killing sin is not just about not doing sinful things. But it's ultimately about living a renewed life. Right? As we continue to set our minds on the things of the Spirit, the the sin will get rooted out. Though imperfectly, we will still have to deal with the presence of sin in our lives. But we will make growth. We will make progress by the Spirit. And let that progress be an encouragement to you. And so we live according to the Spirit. We have to set our minds on the things of the Spirit. Maybe that's through daily habits that help us focus on eternal things. Obviously through prayer, through study of God's Word, through ministry, through our vocations, whatever that may be. But an an important thing for us to note is that Christianity, friends, is not about one day a week for God and six days for the secular. Instead, we must take daily action to focus on eternal things, right? Taking daily action to set our minds on the things of the Spirit. That we would take this action, that ultimately everything that we do each day would be aimed at bringing glory to God. Whether that's at work, at play, at study, in family life, relational life, friendships, whatever that may be. So this is this setting the mind on the things of the Spirit, this living a day, the daily life in a way that we are focused consciously on God, right? Focused on what He desires as our wills are being aligned to His, by His work in us, right? And so we're called to take action in this way. This is a mindset situation. Set your mind on the things of the Spirit, And the thing is, friends, the more that we focus on Christ, the more that we focus on the things of the Spirit, the more that we will root out any focus on our sinful tendencies that may lead us to maybe materialism, maybe focusing on money, maybe wasting time in idleness or on social media or binging Netflix. The more that we focus on Christ, the less brain space we will have to focus on these fleshy things. The more that we consciously set our minds on Christ daily, again, the less brain space that we will have to fall into lust or anger or jealousy or any other sin. And so we start off with these themes. The next one is Christ as Lord. Christ as Lord. So we started with living according to the Spirit, And now we're speaking about Christ as Lord. So as Christians, having been born again and given the gift of faith, we again have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness where we were slaves to sin. And we have been transferred to the kingdom of the Son. Right? We are now under the lordship 
of Christ. Sin no longer has a hold on us. We're no longer slaves to sin. We're now slaves to righteousness in Christ. This is a true reality for every believer in Christ, even when you don't feel so. Even when you don't feel that you're dead to sin. This is true about who you are by nature, being united to Christ. But then we ask the question as well, okay, well, if this is true, do we find that our lives actually speak to this reality in some form? It will be imperfect, of course. But do we see a pattern, at least a pattern of growth in holiness in our lives? Maybe zoom out, right? Look at the last five years, the last 10 years. Do you see a pattern of growth? Again, it might be up and down. It's going to be a messy road. But do we see a pattern of growth in holiness? Are there ways in which maybe sometimes it kind of still appears as though we belong to the kingdom of darkness? Right? Are there any of those tendencies? Do we ever seem to sometimes still be governed by the flesh? Do we look like citizens of heaven or citizens of the kingdom of darkness? Right? Again, remember our identity in Christ. We can't get that um, mixed up. We are dead to sin. If we're united to Christ, this is true of who we are. What I'm saying is that, though imperfect, do we see that growth in holiness? And where are we still struggling? Maybe there's certain aspects in our lives that we still feel like, it seems like I'm governed by the flesh sometimes in these ways. So what I'm saying is, let's look at those and, and, and speak about how we can um, approach those things. So we are citizens of heaven because of Christ's work. And so then, if this is true of us, then we have to also live out our callings as such. That, that holiness would be a, a pursuit for us, right, in our lives. Again, we've been saved by grace. So now it's time to pull up our socks, This is an active life in which we're pursuing Christ. So let us bear real fruit, right? Christ is appointed that we would walk in in good works, that we would bear fruit. Again, remember always, this is fruit of our justification. Fruit of our right standing in Christ would be that we bear fruit in obedience as we live under the lordship of Christ. Third big theme, which is our main theme, killing sin by the Spirit. Killing sin by the Spirit. This is key. There's a tendency when we talk about this stuff to sometimes if we, mis, if we misread it, it can start to sound like some sort of self-help program. This is the key. Killing sin by the Spirit. It's only by the work of the third person of the Trinity that you are able to kill sin in the first place. Before being united to Christ, we were dead in our sins. We didn't have the capacity to kill sin. Now being transferred by the work of Christ alone to the kingdom of the Son, being given new hearts in Christ, we're running on new faithful hearts, and now we have a new capacity. Again, this is not a self-help program. This whole topic must be approached with a prayerful posture. In, in Romans 8, verse 11, Scripture says that the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Think of that for a second. 
Take time to ponder that for a moment. The the source of life himself, the eternal God, by his Holy Spirit, dwells in you. Well, surely God, the Holy Spirit, will help you triumph over some of the sins in your life then. The same power, right, is at work in you. This resurrection life is at work in you. God, the Holy Spirit, dwelling in you. Again, sin no longer has any hold on a believer in Christ. This is true, even when we don't feel like it. Jesus said this. He said this in John 15. He said, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Right? doesn't matter if you feel clean or not. Christ says you're clean. He says you're dead to sin. You're no longer a slave to sin. When God declares something, it's true. No matter if you feel like it or not. And so this is your identity in Christ. And we are also called then to actively pursue this truth in our lives. It's God who will help us fight against sin. We're not slaves to the flesh any longer. But let us confirm our calling as we actively pursue holiness in this way. Living the risen life, my friends, if this resurrection life is at work in us, this, this living of the risen life means killing what pulls us down from that life, right? So let us pursue holiness, men, that we would know God more, that we would be growing in holiness, ultimately that we would be able to lead our, our, our wives and our children in godliness, in the pursuit of godliness. All right, so what does this mortification of sin look like practically? What, this putting sin to death, what does that actually look like? Remember, we said that this whole battle has to be approached prayerfully. It's not merely self-help. It's by the Spirit that sin is being rooted out in our lives. And as certain sins are rooted out, we will also see that there are more and more sins, and that will keep us trusting the Savior. It will never be perfect. There's no moral perfection in this life. That's why we need a Savior. Remember, that being said, friends, we are able to implore practical and habitual things in our lives that will help us with this battle. Now bear with me for a second, and we'll speak more about these habits and maybe some practical aspects near the end of the talk. But think of it. We, out of good habit and good discipline, meet on Sundays as commanded of us. We have that good habit and good discipline as we are commanded to meet. We set alarms. We drive to church to worship. And the Spirit moves through this Sunday worship and this Sunday discipline that we have. Well, we can use the same logic when it comes to any daily habit of spiritual discipline, right? When it comes to prayer or study of God's word or our work, our vocation or our ministry. These daily habits can be powerful tools for us as we pursue holiness. Again, remembering though, it's not mere self-help. We have to pray that the Spirit of the Lord would move in us and teach us through these disciplines, 
This is key. It, it, we have to have a posture of prayer, relying on God in this. So we worship at a set time on Sundays, ultimately, that this worship would overflow into the other days of our weeks naturally, right, and organically. And so then, any set times of spiritual discipline through the day, whether that's set times of prayer or study, reading of God's word, any sort of discipline where we would be able to consciously set our minds on the things of the Spirit, well, these habits can be very beneficial, that there would be more godly focus and prayer and pursuit of Christ that ultimately would naturally overflow into the other hours of our day as well, right? These habits, not trying to establish some rigid formula, but that in these habits, we're consciously setting our minds on the things of the Spirit, that the other hours of our day, this would be a reality for us organically, naturally. Okay, and I'll leave that, just let's hold on that idea of of habits and, and practical application. So we know our mindset must be focused on the Spirit, right? The more that this happens, the more that this happens consciously, the less time your brain has to focus on sin, the less time your brain has to focus on lust, anger, jealousy, envy, whatever that might be. The more that we're focusing on Christ, the less that we're focusing on the flesh. And so we consciously set our minds on the spirit. This has got to be our default setting. right? This is, this is a, a reality that Paul is speaking about here. In Romans 8, Let's look at this here. If we take a look at Romans 8, let's read from verse 5 again. Let's get the context. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Okay? Setting our minds on the things of the Spirit. In Christ, this is our default setting. Setting our mind on the things of the Spirit. This is a conscious thing. This is, a, this is an active reality. We actually have to put work in to do this because the flesh and Satan is going to constantly try to draw us down from our actual reality, our, our right standing in Christ, our assurance that we have. Satan's going to try to rip that away from us can't ultimately do anything when it comes to our salvation, but he can definitely muddy the waters and challenge our assurance of that salvation. And so we must consciously set our minds on the Spirit, focusing not on secular or worldly things, but on the Spirit. My friends, we know in the end what the fatal consequences of flesh-dominated living, right? It separates a person from God in this life and in the next life as well. Unless grace intervenes. And if grace does intervene, then a new capacity enters the picture. But we also have to be careful not to use or abuse his grace and mercy as a license to sin. We're called to obedience. Grace that justifies us will also sanctify us. We will also grow in holiness. Remembering always, friends, Killing sin is the result 
of justification. This is a fruit. We're already in right standing. We're declared clean. We're dead to sin. We're united to Christ by faith. And so we will bear fruit. We will grow in holiness. A fruit of our justification. Because we've been born again, we now have the capacity to put sin to death. We didn't have that capacity before, right? Being dead in our sin. But now we're running on new life. We have new hearts, faithful hearts. We have hearts that are able to pursue holiness and put sin to death. So Christ has already settled our justification. Remember that? Christ has already settled our justification. So our killing of sin is an effect of being saved in Christ. It's not the cause. It's an effect. It's fruit, right? Think of this imagery. Previously, being dead in our sins was like sitting dead in a prison, right? Sitting in a, in a dark, locked cell. Think of that. And then Jesus came, he removed the door, he came into the cell, he picked us up, brought us to new life and freedom. And now nothing can separate us from his love. And we will reach heaven because of his grace and mercy alone. So then the question is, if this is true, if, we're, if our salvation is secure in Christ, why would we ever in this worldly realm want to go back into that cell and sit in the darkness of sin. Right? The cell door is already gone. We're already legally set free. Right? We're we're declared clean. We're no longer slaves. We're no longer prisoners. This is true of us. Well, why would we waste any time then in this life focusing on the flesh, sitting in that dark cell, empty prison cell that has no hold on us anymore? If we died to sin being united with Jesus in his death, then we can't stay married to sin in practice, right? Again, friends, we believers are certainly free from the condemning power of sin. And so then we should strive every day for the rest of our lives to put to death the power of indwelling sin or the the presence of sin that we deal with as we live in this world. Remembering again that it's only the spirit that enables a person to kill sin. So we must discipline ourselves. We must keep the flesh under control as our inward man is being renewed day by day as we grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Again, the Christian life being an active life, as we said, not a passive life. We've been set free from the guilt and the reign of sin. And so now we can pursue holiness even as we still deal with the presence of sin in our earthly walks. And remember, friends, Satan cannot do anything when it comes to a believer's salvation, when it comes to their security in Christ. But he will challenge your assurance of that salvation. He will. And the more that we let sin consciously creep into our lives, the more that that Satan comes questioning us and telling us lies, the more that our assurance will be challenged. And so we have to deal with these old family habits, right? We've been adopted. We're now in the family of Christ. We have to get rid of those old family habits 
right? That we inherited from the family of Adam. And so moving forward here, let's get really pointed for a second. St. Paul tells us about what the works and fruits of sin are. He says this in Galatians 5, for example. He says, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, things like these. We have an obligation, friends, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. Remembering always, in Christ, each and every sin has been killed through his work on the cross. Sin no longer has a hold on us. It can no longer condemn us. But because the presence of sin remains, acts and works in the lives of believers while we live in this world, again, it's our constant duty to kill sin. Okay. So one, mortification. It's not perfect, but there will be growth. There will be growth. Two, there are new habits. New habits that we can establish to weaken lust and to cultivate holiness. Three, well, never perfect. Again, we do make progress. And let even that progress be an encouragement to you as you zoom out on your lives. And you see how the Holy Spirit has rooted out various sins in your lives, even as we will continue to struggle with more and more that pop up when we understand the nature of our sinfulness. And in that, that keeps us trusting the Savior. So four, let's see sin for what, is, what it is. Let's take our cue from Scripture and not from culture. And again, the work of the Holy Spirit will help us to kill sin. Let us enjoy that help. So what are some applications and habits then? Well, what sins are you struggling with? What are the sins that, that right now you can think about that you are conscious of, that you are struggling with? Maybe that's lust. Maybe that's lust. Well, what can we do? Maybe you fall into lust because you're scrolling on social media or on the internet. Well, cut off social media then. Get rid of it. Delete your apps. Maybe that looks like making a dumb phone. Maybe you have two phones. Maybe one doesn't have any apps. Maybe it's just your SIM card, text and calling, and the other one has your apps, or maybe you've got to get rid of them. Maybe you're listening to music that is not great, or, or movies that are over-sexualized. Or maybe you have trouble because you, you lust at women on the street. Well, maybe next time you find yourself in that tendency to lust at a woman, pray for their salvation. Change that heart, that tendency that, that you want to lust at them and actually love them. Start to reverse those patterns and pray about this. Again, approach this prayerfully, any of these habits. Maybe it's fornication. Maybe you need accountability. Brothers in Christ that you can speak to when, when you fall or even when you're tempted, that you can call them up. Maybe, my friends, it's, maybe we're dealing with different sins. Maybe it's anger, or maybe it's any aspect of our, that we have, maybe a lack of leadership in our household. Well, then, if that's the case, we should, we should have devotion with our wives and family. 
That we would, we would schedule prayer time, serving time with them as well. Maybe with our wives, making sure that they're reading the word. Or, or helping them with a Bible plan. Or serving them so that they can have quiet time with the Lord as well. Whatever these sins are that you're struggling with, there are ways that we can actively pursue putting them to death through prayer and through good discipline. But remember, friends, we need to always remember that during this walk of sanctification, there will be a continual growth in holiness. But at the same time, our sanctification will expose our deeper sinful tendencies. So even if by the Spirit you put certain sins to death, God will always show you your deeper sins. There's no moral perfection in this life. Even our best efforts are riddled with sin. But that keeps us humble. And that keeps us trusting the Savior. And so we may implement various habits, daily study of God's word, meditation and prayer, daily individual prayer, family prayer. Maybe it's a routine. Maybe you need to set alarms. Do what you need to do to set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Maybe it's a morning and evening routine. Maybe it's ministry and serving in some way. Accountability. Maybe it's that. Maybe you haven't had that sorted out yet. Making packs with brothers. Being able to call them when you're tempted. Being able to call them when, you're, when you fall. Being able to confess to each other. Accountability. Knowing that you have to call them, right? If you're tempted. Or you have to call them if there was a fall in some way. That's key. Fellowship, evangelism, worship, hearing the word preached, um, revolving our schedules around prayer and the study of God's word and such. There's various habits that we can implore that are good. But ultimately, we have to approach this with a posture of prayer. That's the key, right? That is the, the key to all of this. And so then as we close, friends, we, we remember that our salvation is secure in Christ. Don't ever get that confused. Our salvation is secure in Christ. And so you may not feel that you are free from the reign of sin, but you can know that you are no longer a slave of sin because of what Jesus has done for you in the gospel. You believe this in faith. This is true of a believer in Christ. Your salvation is not dependent on how well you kill sin. Christ will finish the good work that he started in you. Your salvation is dependent on his work, not your own. And a fruit of that salvation would be that we grow in this act of pursuit of holiness. Never get that confused. You're united to Christ. The fruit of this reality is that we don't let sin reign. As J.C. Ryle said, we've been placed here to train for eternity. How's your training going? Are you ready to worship God for all of eternity? Well, we may as well start making him a priority now and grow in holiness, man. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for what you've done for us in Christ. The forgiveness of all our sins, the penalty paid for our sin, that we are united to you now, Lord, by faith and that nothing can separate us from your love. Jesus, help us to grow in holiness as you root out sins in our lives. Help us to establish good habits 
and good discipline and, and approach this prayerfully. And also, Lord, expose more and more sin in our lives, that we would see the depths of our sin and that that would keep us humble, constantly relying on you, our Savior. Be with us, convict us, encourage us, strengthen us, that we can go forth and grow in holiness. In your name we pray. Amen.